0: I hope this morning you have your Bible and you're going to open with me to John chapter 20. Uh, I had to explain to the 830 service that when the PowerPoint comes up for the scripture, there's only going to be about a third of it. I'm going to read uh, John chapter 20 beginning with verse 19 through verse 29. But as I was writing the notes for Fran, and and part of the difficulty of her job is being able to read my writing. Okay, I am not good. I was I, I learned how to write and read in South Carolina, and uh, so I'm still learning how to write and read right now. But anyway, she mistook my nine for a one. And Michelle's going on to the PowerPoint to tell me to hurry up. All right, no, you could, you good Michelle, you good. Hey, let's pray. Let's pray. Okay. Lord Jesus, you are so good to us. I thank you not only that you came to this earth and died on the cross for us and that the Father raised you from the dead, but I thank you, Father, that you want each of us to know that you're alive. And, Lord, so often as Christians we must confess that we get so busy doing our thing that we walk away from you. And, Lord, sometimes we doubt if you're with us. Lord, forgive us. Help us to know that as your children every single day, You're walking with us. Your hand is outstretched to us, and if we'll simply just take hold of your hand, Lord, you'll walk with us and prove that daily you are alive. And, Lord, I pray this morning that if there's someone here that is still searching for you, and, Lord, they don't know if this church stuff and this this religion stuff is real, I just pray that today that you'll impress upon their heart that it's not church stuff and it's not religious stuff but it is a one-on-one relationship with you that you want everybody to have. And I pray that you will become real, Father, to people that might not yet have trusted you as their Lord and Savior. So pray that as we study again about what happened after the resurrection, Lord, that you'll just help us to understand more of the Word of God and understand more about your Son. May we give praise and honor to Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read again this passage of Scripture, John chapter 20, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. With you, Notice he says that twice. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And I want to point something out. This is the first day of the resurrection. Not only on the last day where he commissioned the disciples to go into all the world. And in Acts 1.8 where he says you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria to the end of the earth from day one. To the day that he ascended back into heaven, 40 days later, he constantly tells them, this is your mission. I want you to go out and tell others about me. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, listen to Thomas, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be With you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is now the fourth message about the events after the resurrection of Christ. And as we once again study about what happened after the resurrection, please keep these thoughts in mind, okay? Number one, Jesus appeared to the disciples and others. And again, we don't know exactly how many there were gathered in this house that night. We know that all the disciples... uh, uh, Judas, who had killed himself, and Thomas, who doubted, he was not there. Some of the women surely were there. Some of the others that had followed Jesus had, had gathered together with these disciples. But folks, please remember that for 40 days after his resurrection, until Jesus' ascension, he appeared to those who followed him. And let me point out again, Acts 1-3. And this, you remember for the last three Sundays, we've been reading the first eight verses in Acts 1. But listen again to the testimony that Luke gives. To them he presented himself alive after his passion by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days, speaking of the kingdom of God. For 40 days, in and out, Jesus came to be with this group of followers and appeared to them. But folks, His disciples did not at first believe the reports. You remember the women came from the empty tomb and said, we've seen the angels who said the Lord is risen. Mary Magdalene said, we have seen the Lord. But they did not first believe these reports. And even old Thomas demanded proof. I will not believe, he says, unless I can see where the nails pierced his hands and see where the spear pierced his side. But, folks, please remember that whenever and wherever people were confronted by the reality of Jesus' resurrection, they were transformed. And, folks, I want all of us to understand that when we meet the resurrected Lord, you and I are transformed as we yield to him as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. How many of us in this room right now can personally say, I've met the risen Lord? Perhaps you did not see him in the physical form that these disciples did. But our lives have been changed. And I'm not bragging about you and me. I'm bragging about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. The resurrected Lord's appearances were not limited to those 40 days. And let me give you two examples of this. We don't know exactly when, uh, how many years after Jesus ascended back into heaven that the apostle Paul met the Lord on the Damascus Road. You remember in Acts chapter 9 that the Lord revealed himself to Paul as he was going from Jerusalem to Damascus to find the people of the way, Christians, to persecute them and put them in prison. But Paul later on in 1 Corinthians 15, you remember the first or second Sunday that we were studying this, we talked about and we read those verses where Paul gives the list of people who saw the resurrected Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, 8, Paul writes this, Last of all, I saw him too. Listen to that. I saw him too long after the others, as though I had been born almost too late for this. We don't know how many years after Jesus ascended back into heaven that Paul met him on the Damascus Road, but Paul says, I've seen him too. And I think about the first chapter of the book of Revelation. John the Apostle meets the resurrected Lord, he is on the Isle of Patmos. Many think that the book of Revelation is written 50 to 60 years after Acts chapter 1 and John chapter 20. So John sees the resurrected Lord again. Not only does John say in John chapter 20, I saw the Lord, but later on in the book of Revelation, one of the latest books written in the New Testament, the Lord revealed himself again again. To John. And folks, I want to point something out about that first day after the resurrection. Look at this on the overhead. Look at this. At least five resurrection appearances of Jesus happened on that first day of the week. The last two Sundays, there's been a little insert in your bulletin entitled 40 Days from Resurrection to Ascension. And, and, and as I've told you before, I want to give credit where credit's due. This is out of the Bible knowledge commentary of the New Testament. And during those 40 days, Jesus reveals himself a number of times to a number of people. I hope you didn't throw that away. And I hope as you're journeying through the scripture, you'll read these accounts of the Lord making himself known to others. But on that first day, on that first day, here's five occurrences where jesus revealed himself look at this he revealed himself to mary magdalene and that's in john 20 verses 11 through 18 the preceding verses of the passage of scripture that i read and then he revealed himself to the other women who had come to the tomb in Matthew twenty-eight, eight and ten. He revealed himself to Peter on that first day, according to First Corinthians fifteen, five, and Luke twenty-four, thirty-four. Last Sunday we studied about Jesus revealing himself to the two men, the two disciples, that were going from Jerusalem back to Emmaus and Luke chapter twenty-four, verses thirteen to thirty-two. And here in the passage of Scripture that I read earlier, Jesus that first day, the evening of that day, reveals himself to the disciples minus Thomas. Folks, here's the point. Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. But folks, I want to just share something with you, and you might think, well, this really doesn't have anything to do with the message, but I want to share something with you. As a junior at Carson Newman College in in Tennessee, I had to take a course in physical science. I've got a point in this, okay, so just hang with me. I had to do it. I I don't particularly like science. Again, I'm not a smart person, and I can't grasp a lot of science, but I had to take this course on physical science to, to graduate, and out of the blue, Sitting in class one day when the professor, if I remember, was talking about types of soils on the earth, a student raised his hand and said, Why do Christians worship on Sunday? That's not the seventh day. Saturday is the seventh day of the week. And, and this was a Baptist college, okay? And I think what he was trying to do was make fun of Christians. They're so dumb, they don't even know which day of the week is the seventh day. And the professor didn't give an answer. And here I am as a young ministerial student. But people already knew I wasn't very smart anyway. But I was afraid to say anything. I'm not going to answer that question. I'm not going to make myself look dumb. But folks, let me tell you the importance of why we worship on Sunday. In the scripture, in the Old Testament, said there was a Sabbath day to the Jews. Why did the Christians begin to worship on Sunday? Because that's when the resurrection happened. In Mark chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, let me just read this to you. It'll be on the overhead, Mark 16:1 and 2. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they may go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had risen. Now, folks, let me, let me tell you what Warren Wearsby says about this. The seventh day of the week, the Sabbath, commemorates God's finished work of creation. Look at Genesis, and it's going to be on the overhead. Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it, God rested from all his work, which he had done in creation. Folks, what's the point? The Lord's day commemorates Christ's finished work of our redemption of the new creation God the Father worked for six days and then rested. God the Son suffered on the cross for six hours and then he rested and then he was raised from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus on the first day of the week led the early Christians together on Sunday to worship the Lord and to commemorate his death and resurrection. Now, what is my point in all of this? Folks, when we come together on Sunday morning, we are here to commemorate that our Lord Jesus died on the cross for us on a Friday afternoon. But thank God in heaven, the grave could not hold him. And on the first day of the week, God raised him from the dead to prove to the world that he is alive and he is the son of God. You know, it ought to just add more zip in our wanting to get up and come to church, shouldn't it (laughs) Look, I'm not trying to be funny here this morning. I tell you, we have got so much to praise God and thank God for. Have we lost that in our day? This ought to be the most important day of, of our week. And, and for most of us, the important day is what? The day we get off or the day we get paid. And I'm not saying, those are important days. Amen? But let me tell you something. This is the day in which we come together to worship the King. And bow the knee in his presence. But with all that said, let's get back to the hiding and fearful disciples in John chapter 20. The disciples, minus Thomas, have gathered that first Sunday night. And make no doubt about it, they are petrified, they are afraid. Listen to how John says it in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Folks, they were afraid that just as the Jewish authorities had arrested and killed Jesus, that they might be next. They might be on the hit list, and so they might even be looking for them then. So folks, they were sequestered. They were hiding. And remember the lie that the Jewish authorities had already begun to circulate look at this this is matthew 28 verses 11 through 13 and this is matthew's account of that first day the women have gone to the tomb and the angel has told them that the lord is not there that he has risen from the dead and listen to this verse 11 while they were going while they were going, this is the women going back to tell the disciples. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. Now you remember that the guards had seen the angels. The guards had felt the earthquake. The guards had seen the stone roll away. Verse 12, when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sum of money to the soldiers and said, here's payoff money, y'all tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. So listen, here's the women who are saying, we saw angels, we've seen the Lord, he is risen, and here's the guards who are saying they're lying, the disciples came and stole the body. What do you think these disciples saw? Man, they're going to come get us. And so they are hiding behind closed doors but folks how does jesus transform his disciples fear into courage doubt into belief and we're not going to be able to get through all of them this morning but let me give you five things that jesus does and we're going to look at these one by one okay first of all jesus came and stood among them that's verse 19 secondly jesus speaks to them And what he has to say on this first morning is so powerful and so meaning. Thirdly, I have trouble with math too. Thirdly, Jesus shows him his hands and his side. And remember, Thomas says, I ain't going to believe until I can see where they pierced his hands and they pierced his side. Number four, Jesus commissions them. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And, and Jesus empowered them to do his work. But let's go back. Look at verse 19. With them hiding, locked in behind closed doors, Jesus comes to them and speaks and, and, and comes and stands in their midst. Folks, we do not know exactly where the disciples are hiding, but guess who does? The Lord does. You know, as I was reading this, it took me back to Genesis chapter, chapter 3. And I'm, we don't have this on the overhead, but I, I just want to read these verses. Just don't turn back. Just listen, okay? And, and you know Genesis 3 is when Adam and Eve sinned. They had been having fellowship with God, and God would come daily. And they'd fellowship. God would walk with them. But things changed after they sinned. You remember the story? You remember what they did? They ran and hid themselves in the garden. And listen to this. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and the woman hid himself from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Now listen, it's not because God is ignorant and he didn't know what had happened in Adam and Eve and he didn't know where they were at. But this is this way of saying, I love you. Things have changed, but I still want to be in your life and I still want to be your God. And the man said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Don't you and I hide from God sometimes? As Christians, don't we hide sometimes? I believe there are a lot of churches that are hiding from God right now. They know what God wants us to do. God wants us to shine His lights in a dark world. God wants us to take Him serious. God wants us to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Him. But that's not always what we want to do, is it, as a church? And if you've not yet trusted Christ as your personal Savior, are you hiding from the Lord? You know that you're a sinner. You don't need a preacher to tell you that. You know that your sin and rebellion is separating you from God. Again, you don't need a, a preacher to tell you that. The Holy Spirit of God is already doing that. You know what, though? The Lord is He's looking for you. He knows right where you're at. And I can testify to that. I hate, again, to be so personal, but I, I, I just can't tell you enough that Jesus saved me. And in May of 1968 at Grace Baptist Church when I was sitting at the very back of the church because my mama made me go to church that day and I had my arms folded in frustration and rebellion against her and against God too. And I refused to hear that old fat bald-headed preacher up there keep talking about Jesus. But do you know what? That day something happened in my life. Because the resurrected Lord, not in a physical form like he did for these disciples, but that day, the resurrected Lord let me know that he loved me and that he was real. And I can promise you, I had not read the scripture. I didn't know what it meant to pray. But that day, it was as if heaven itself opened up and God said, Herbert, you have been rebelling against me and sinning against me, but I love you and I'll save you. And he became real to me that day. Folks, I want to get back to my point. Jesus came to them and he began to reassure them that he was the resurrected Lord. And folks, again, listen. He was in his resurrected body. That meant that he could enter the room without opening the door. And I'm going to get ahead of myself. But it is, it's, in, in a sense, a little humor in this. Not only were they locked in on that first night, Eight days later, if you look down at verse 26, the doors were shut. They're locked in again even a week later. I mean, they're still so afraid of what might happen. But the Lord can enter the room without opening the door. His body was a real body that could be touched because Thomas touched it. His body was a real body that could eat food. His body was a resurrected body that was not limited by the laws of nature. So that man that they had seen with their own eyes be put to death on the cross outside of Jerusalem on a hill called Calvary, that Jesus came and stood in their midst. And not only did he stand there, but listen, he begins to speak them. Folks, if if you didn't know the rest of the story, what do you think the Lord would have said? Now, again, think about this. Here's these folks that when it came time to stand up for Jesus, they had sit down and they had left. They, one of them, Peter, had denied the Lord three different times. I don't know this man. I'm not a Galilean. I didn't follow him. Jesus could have rebuked them for their unfaithfulness and their cowardness days before. And you know what? Jesus could have called them liars. Let me read some verses. Matthew 26, Peter declares to the Lord that though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And again in Matthew 26, 35, Peter says, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Had Peter not lied? Yes, he had. And listen to what all the other disciples had said, Matthew 26, 35. And so said all the disciples. You know, Jesus could have dismissed them as undeserving failures. Jesus could have said, listen, I'm just going gonna, gonna to just fire all of y'all. I'm just going to get some rookies. I'm just going to get some more folks, and I'm going to start a whole new band of disciples, But he doesn't do that, does he? Praise the Lord. Why not? Well, I don't know if this was on the Lord's mind, but as I was reading this passage of Scripture, this is what came to my mind. On the overhead, we're going to have Psalms 103, verse 10, 11, and 12. Listen to these verses. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And Look verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Our Lord is the only one that I know of that can completely and totally forgive our sins. There have been many days in my life where I was so unworthy to be called a follower of Jesus Christ. And I am so grateful for his steadfast love and mercy. And I am so grateful that when we ask him to forgive our sins, that sin is abolished by the shed blood and the unending love of our resurrected Lord. But folks, listen to the first words that Jesus says to them. And in this passage of Scripture, he's going to say this three times. He's going to say it twice on that evening, and he's going to say it again eight days later when he confronts Thomas. But listen to what he says. Peace. Peace be with you. Now, if you have heard the word shalom, you know that a traditional greeting of the Jewish people is peace shalom but folks i believe that there's much more at work here because you see the work of the cross of jesus is what is peace look at these verses romans 5:1 therefore since we are justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ and listen to what paul says in ephesians chapter 2 verses 12 through 17 Remember that you were at, one, at that time separated from Christ. Now think about this. Before you came to know the Lord Jesus, does this not describe you and me? Separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near in the blood of Christ. Go ahead, Michelle, to the next one. For he is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby bringing the hostility to the end. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. And, folks, let me point out why these words are so important. Jesus is telling them, it's okay. I know what happened. I know that you denied me. I know that you ran and hid. But I've got to work for you. All is forgiven. And, folks, you know the message that you and I need to carry to the world is that we can have peace with God when we believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We have peace with God and the peace of God. Folks, that's our message. And that's the message that the Lord wants you to hear today. That's the message of the resurrected Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful that the story of Jesus of Nazareth does not end on a hillside called Calvary. But I'm grateful that his story never ends. And I'm grateful that you are alive even today. And in a way that we perhaps cannot see, you are here with us. And Father, I pray for every brother and sister in Christ who might be discouraged, who might feel that they've tried, but they've failed to serve you in many ways and they're discouraged, I pray, Father, that you'll speak peace to our hearts as Christians and that we would have a new desire and a new commitment to serve you. But, Lord, most especially, I pray for those who might be here struggling to understand what it means to have a right relationship with God. Lord, I pray that you would make yourself real to them. Lord, I can't do that. Only you can, but I'm grateful that you will. And I pray, Lord, for hungry hearts that they'll see that you are alive and that your death on the cross is the way to a right relationship with God. And I pray that you'll give them, Lord, the strength to confess that they're lost in sin, but they would believe that you are the Savior of the world. Father, I thank you again for for your spirit that, Lord, guides us to you. And I just pray today that the Spirit of God would be given the freedom to lead all of us to know that you are alive and well and you want to save us and you want to work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn of invitation